You know, I've often contended that seminaries should include a semester-long class on children's moments alone. <laughs> and it's missing. They refuse to do it. We are so grateful for all of our children and for their gifts and for their joy and for their laughter and for the ways that they help to guide and uplift us in worship. Friends, we continue in our worship this day with our first reading, which comes from the book of Psalms, Psalm 121. Let us listen now for a word from God. The psalmist writes, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today we are continuing in our sermon series that is based on Back to School. Where often, when students return to the classroom, their first few weeks are spent doing a bit of a refresher, a review of all the things they may have forgotten over the course of summer vacation. In that same spirit, we are refreshing our own knowledge of some key people and key events throughout the biblical story. We began our series when we learned again of the Exodus story where God used Moses to lead the Hebrews out of Egypt. Then we encountered the prophets that remind God's people what exactly God calls them to do in the world. Then last week we encountered David who was God's chosen king of Israel. Today we look towards the gospel where we encounter some more of those chosen ones. Jesus' own 12 disciples. Friends, let us continue listening for a word from God from Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. One day, when Jesus was standing by the lake of Genseray, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down your net for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the net. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help us. And they came and filled the boats so full that they began to sink. 
When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. Friends, this too is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Friends, let us pray. Good and gracious God, we are astonished by you. God, call out to us this day and open us up. Open our hearts and our eyes to see the miracle that you work in our lives. And open our ears this day to hear your words, to hear what it is you are saying to the church. We pray these things in your holy name. Amen. Friends, think back to a day when it just didn't go your way. Maybe you forgot the kids' bottles when you left the house this morning, or maybe when you logged into a meeting on Zoom, something changed overnight and you all of a sudden can't figure out how to make the microphone and the camera both work at the same time. Or maybe it's a day when you worked really hard on a big project or a big presentation, only to find out at the end of the day that you did it all wrong and it was no good. When the day is over, you sink into the couch and you just feel spent. You feel empty and tired like you have absolutely nothing left to give. I imagine that's how Simon and James and John were feeling that night. They had just spent all night out fishing, and unlike Stephen Michael, they didn't catch a single thing. Now, with the clues that this story provides, scholars suggest that these fishermen were using a, a two-boat technique. They had three to four people spread across these two boats, and they were fishing for a kind of mushed, which is a kind of tilapia. They rowed, like physically rowed, because remember, they didn't have um, motorboats or powerboats back in this time. So they would row out to sea and drop these huge nets with buoys across the top and then weights across the bottom. And they dropped these nets parallel to the seashore, and then they would position their boats in between the nets and the, the shore. And they would take their oars and physically bang their oars against the water. It's kind of funny, right? hoping to scare the fish from the shore into their nets. So this kind of fishing was work. It was very physically demanding, and it took effort. So Simon and his friends are on the beach feeling tired and frustrated after all of their labors caught them no fish. They're cleaning their nets and ready to call it quits. Jesus climbs into Simon's boat and asks him to row out again. Simon tells Jesus that they have worked hard all day and that they have done their time fishing and they are ready to rest. 
Now, the disciples aren't necessarily known for being the brightest bunch, which I think is a little bit unfair, but there are many things that they do, in fact, get flat out wrong. But the disciples, they are a dedicated bunch, and that's shown here. Simon and his fisher friends may have been tired, but when Jesus asked them to go out into the water again, they go. I think it's easy for us to picture ourselves on that lake shore, particularly in this season of life. They're cleaning our nets after a long night of fishing where we came up empty-handed. Now, we are tired. We've spent the past year and a half wondering and weighing the risks involved in every single thing that we do. We are tired of wearing masks, and we are tired of that scared feeling when we hear once again that our hospital is full. We are tired of juggling childcare when we still have to work, but all of a sudden our kid has a runny nose and they have to stay home for what feels like the millionth time this year. We are tired of not being able to visit our friends who live in assisted care facilities. And we are tired of learning from a computer screen. And here comes Jesus, stepping into our boats, asking us to row out into deep water again, to trust in God and listen to how God is calling us and to keep following, even at the end of a very long day. It's harder to picture ourselves at the end of the story. Leaving a boat that is full of fish so that we can go and follow a man that we hardly know. In this story, Simon and James and John, they leave those full boats. They have just experienced this miracle catching probably the most fish that they have ever seen. To go and follow Jesus when he tells them, do not be afraid. I have a hard time, too, picturing Jesus calling us to leave our livelihoods behind this day. But I guess you never know, and I think Jesus obviously does call some people to do that. But what I can picture is Jesus reminding us that we, too, are named and claimed by the Creator, the Redeemer, and the Sustainer. We belong to God. Now, as children of God and followers of Jesus Christ, God has equipped us with different gifts and talents— to show the love of God to one another as God has shown to us. Now, Simon the fisherman was equipped very well to fish for people. And like that, God has uniquely equipped each of us to be disciples. Now, Sarah Miles has this really interesting take on what it means to be a disciple. We talked about her a few times throughout the course of our time here. Usually it's around bread and communion as that is a central piece to her faith story. But you can read more about her in her books. But the short version is that she came to Christianity later in her life when she was out walking the streets of San Francisco. She walks past the store many, many times before. And one day she finally decides to walk in. She ventures into a sanctuary where she is fed both spiritually and physically the body of Christ. From then on, she's a follower of Jesus. Now, as Sarah learned more about this newfound faith she had as a Christian, she discovers something. That throughout the Gospels, Jesus repeatedly calls ordinary people around him to do extraordinary things. 
Jesus repeatedly calls tired fishermen like Simon. He gives them each a charge and then he commands them to repeat his work when he's gone. Now, sometimes Jesus' 12 disciples, they get it right. And other times, they miss the point completely. And then even after Jesus is resurrected, when he appears to the disciples, he reminds them again that you too are God's children. Do my work in the world, he says. So Sarah approaches discipleship hinging on this, that being a follower of Jesus means leaning into the authority that Jesus gives us, leaning into the authority that Jesus gives us to go out and to feed the hungry, to heal the sick, to cast out demons, and to cleanse those who are unclean. Basically, being a disciple means leaning into this idea that there is a little bit of Jesus in all of us. There is a little bit of Jesus in these regular, flawed, imperfect people and that we can do Jesus' work in the world, too. Well, friends, we are not perfect. We are not tired. We are tired. If you are not tired, then please come and tell me your secret. But yet, God takes initiative with us, coming towards us and inviting us to be part of the kingdom of God here on earth. Jesus comes to us and invites us to be disciples, to be followers, and to be students. I think the most important thing to know about the disciples is this. It's that they are willing to learn. They are willing to be students. Jesus asked Simon to take him out in the boat and to fish some more. Now, Simon tells Jesus that they probably won't catch anything because, after all, Simon is the expert on fishing here. But Simon gets in the boat with Jesus anyway. Simon, James, and John, they leave their catches knowing that they are walking with Jesus. Being a disciple is being willing to learn and knowing that you are with God and that God has equipped you to do whatever it is God is calling you to do. Maybe for some of us it is literally leaving everything we have behind on the lakeshore like the fishermen did that day. Or maybe we are disciples when we use the skills and the resources that we have to do what we can. Maybe it's when we send food to the spent healthcare workers at the hospital. Or maybe we are disciples when we pick up the phone and call to check in on that homebound church member. Or maybe we are disciples when we send a note to the new mom reminding her that she is doing a very good job and it will not be like this forever. Or maybe we are disciples when we add a little bit of extra food to our Harris Teeter order that then gets sent to Sparrow's Nest. Or maybe we're disciples when we read a story in the Bible with open ears and open hearts, and then we talk about what we learned from that story with our neighbors. Friends, being a disciple requires a willingness to learn and a willingness to know to know that God still calls us even when we mess up and even when we are sinful. Because God does not hold us to a flawless standard. God made us human and God made us good. Being a follower of Jesus and being a disciple is trusting and knowing that God forgives our sins and that God gets in the boat with us.
It is knowing that we don't walk through this life alone and sharing that good news with our words and our deeds to our community around us. It is listening for when God teaches us better and then doing better. And the four Gospels are filled with these stories of the disciples learning better and then doing better. Now, Simon, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, Judas the son of James, and Judas Iscariot are not 12 perfect humans. They did not follow God flawlessly. They doubted. They protested. They saw scarcity when Jesus saw abundance, and they fought over who was Jesus' favorite. They fell asleep when Jesus told them to stay awake. One even betrayed Jesus, turning him in. Yet Jesus called them. Jesus led them on the journey of their lives, teaching them of God's great love for the world, and then told them to keep on going. When the disciples didn't understand something, Jesus told them. When one of the disciples turned Jesus in to the authorities that day, Jesus washed their feet and shared a meal with them like we'll do in just a few minutes. Friends, Jesus did not expect the disciples to be perfect, just like he does not expect you and I to be perfect. Instead, Jesus continues to come to us when we are tired, when we are spent sitting on the lakeshore, and he teaches us to love and commands us to go and do the same, to lean into that little bit of Jesus that is within each of us. Friends, we are not perfect. Oftentimes, like Simon, we say that we are sinners, so surely God cannot use us. But do you know what Jesus says to that? Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be fishing for people. Do not be afraid. Friends, may we not be afraid to be Jesus' disciples this day. May we not be afraid to share our imperfections and to trust that God can use even our tired and messed up selves to remind the world of God's great love. May we not be afraid to learn to do just that. Friends, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen.